so glad you got on, man. Um, all right, ladies and gents, this is MD Podcast. I want to say thanks to everybody, man, that's been supporting the season one all the way to season six. And by the time you guys hear this episode, this will be season six, episode 11. And I'm really excited about this guest, a special guest, man. Um, first of all, I'm just a fan of hip hop. I'm from a city called Oxnard, California. And I was just a, I was just a shy kid who was, who was trying to get involved in the hip hop scene. And I was shy, I had no confidence in myself. And I was fortunate enough to have some real, real talented MCs who grew up around my city. And this guest right here, I've been knowing him since I was basically 16 years old, just seeing him at the house parties, rocking the open mics. Um, a very influential group in Oxnard that pretty much led the new wave of, uh, the new wave of MCs after the Stone Skull generation. And the name of the group is Absalon Project. This man is part of that legendary group. Uh, a very prolific solo MC himself and, and very sick of the production. I think a lot of people are probably not even aware that he can juggle both really, really well. And um, for all those who are on, um, Spotify and all streaming platforms right now. You guys gotta check out this album called Slow Grip by Dex, all right? By Riff Raff McGriff and another album that's out on YouTube right now called Laboratorium Saga. And not just that, he's definitely worked with me on my album called The Deductible. And he produced the lead single for my album back in 2015 called This Rounds On Me and produced a joint for my album called Critical Rhyme Assistance. He's had many guest features with artists like C. Dot Keys and uh, Kazi. And ladies and gents, I want to stop talking without no further ado. We got Dex, also known as Riff Raff with Griff in the house. What's up, Dex? Going down. Man, thanks for joining me tonight, man. How was your day? Ah, systematic. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> what do you do? factory that produces doorways and right. door. Um, and on the side I basically just fix up people's cars you know I used to street race back in the day and do all that stuff on top of everything else I used to do so I kind of just do everything that is low impact and or makes me happy on top of that I do you know these for people from time to time and really that's about it nothing too crazy Nice. And, um, you know, Dad, I take it back to day one with all my guests, man. Um, for all those who are listening, where were you born and raised? I was actually born and raised in Tulare, California. Um, mm. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I was born in Tulare, California, raised in Sacramento, California, grew up in South Central California, and basically became a young kid in Oxford. So pretty much... And then, like, a lot of little places in between as well. So, I'm just yeah. Cali. That's where I'm from. <laughs> what year did you move to Oxnard? I, I started seeing you around, I had to be, it had to be 2001. I was 16, sophomore in high school. That's when I really started seeing you around the hood. Yeah, I was, I came to Ox in, I believe it was late 1994. Life is kind of a blur, dog, so forgive me. Like, either late 1994 or early 1995. I remember that because uh, in the U-Haul truck, um, 
far side was on the radio. Can't <laughs> uh, keep running away. I was listening to that as we was moving, emptying out the U-Haul. So yeah. it had to be like around that time. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, the fact that you moved around a little bit in Southern Cali, how does that influence your rap style or just the way you produce? Does it does it um, influence you in any way? Like the different uh, places you live that? It's, it's all kind of influencing. On top of that, it's a little bit confusing depending on where you, you know, where you base your your headquarters out of it, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Wherever you, you handle out of it. If you, because you're going to get pulled in all sorts of different directions. You know what I mean? You're going to get pulled in the direction you want to have. You're going to put, you know, you're going to go in the direction you want to go in. You're going to get pulled mm. in the direction of your environment. And then you're going to get pulled in the direction of your influence. So... Mm. And then there, and then there's just all sorts of different factors in between, but you gotta like really just, and then you gotta stop and then go back to doing what you want to do, and it's just kind of a cycle. It's it just never stops. You just get kind of like you gotta find the balance and, and ride the wave. No doubt. As far as like family, is there like musicians in the family? Like, what was your like? You know, did, did you get influenced by family members at all as far as music and producing? Like, did family have any music talent in them? Well, my immediate family wasn't. Unfortunately, they were actually against hip-hop and music and things of that nature just because of, like, you know, my religious background. But um, my grandfather was a very advanced pianist. Yeah. And so he was, like... You know, from the old, you know, they're you know, we're talking about like the you know the twenties and whatnot. They were in like the speakeasies and yeah, you know, playing the piano and, and you know drinking whiskey and got the bow tie undone and got the girls doing the doing the wop on the table, you know, <laughs> scat dancing on the table and stuff yeah. like that. Like, you know, that's the days he's from. You know, he was a clubber. Yeah. So like, where's mm-hmm. hmm? no? Go ahead. Where's Grandpa from? Where, where was Grandpa doing shows at back in the day? Oh, this, you know, this is, we're talking about like, uh, uh, I want to say uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Wow. Uh, that, that way, you know, they're from the South. Um, and then, uh, so they were kind of just migrated this way and kind of settled down in, the, in what they call the butter dish. That's over there in Tulare. And then yeah. that, that's where kind of like the legacy of my family began. But unfortunately, like, you know, you you are exposed to a lot of different elements like, you know, alcohol and stuff like that. So, you, you know, your, your, your talents tend to take the background, mm. falling into the, you know, to the, to the, the pool of mess. And then you just, you begin to like hoard your skills to yourself. You don't share it with the world. You know, right. you keep it for you as a crutch and you do it. You know what I mean? And, and it's, and it doesn't make it any less powerful, but just not as many people are aware of your right. ability. Right. Um, Dex, like, uh, your first recollections of hip hop, like, what was your earliest memories of hearing it or seeing it or experiencing it? Oh, man. Man. Uh, <laughs> taking me way back. I couldn't have been more than, I want to say, three or four years old. And I was watching, you know, we didn't have cable. So what my mother would do is she would go to my aunt's house and record her television. Yeah. And bring the VHS tapes back home and watch the, you know, television recorded on VHS tapes. So 
um, they would like watch MTV and stuff like that back in the day. And so like between shows, like we, you know, shuffling, whenever we got tired of watching, you know, one channel, we change VHS tape, watch another. So um, I, the first time I actually saw uh, a uh, hip hop that I registered as hip hop was uh, Gotcha Chill EPMD. Wow. First ever, if, if I had to say there was the first track I ever registered as hip hop, um, it would have to be Gotcha Chill. Um, yeah. Shortly after that, actually, I remember being at uh, kindergarten and then there was an assembly. Yeah. Then Everybody was doing, you know, whatever, playing the guitar, ukulele, and tap dancing, you know, doing whatever they were doing. And then yeah. this this crew of cats with these sideways flat tops hopped up on stage and started popping and doing this routine. And then <laughs> my eyes just lit up, and I got the stars in my eyes, and I was watching them, and it was just kind of like a split second. And it was a guy that was in the class next to me. He had, you know, he was my age, and I guess it's him and his uncles performed. And I had never, I had never seen him do anything remotely like that so for, to see him up on stage popping and stuff i was like huh like wow yeah, that's yeah. Cool. but i never saw him again after that <laughs> so i never got to ask no questions so but it had to have been yeah, back then, three or four yeah man mine was jj fab uh, super ah. <laughs> uh and then probably tone rope right after that you know yeah um so let me ask you this who was the first solo mc that you remember that you're like, I want to do that shit. Mm. I want to do that. Oh man, dude! <laughs> the first MC that really like affected your life. Like, whoa, I want to do this. <clears throat> man, like, and I mean, I know a lot of the OGs are gonna, you know, get mad at me <laughs> when I say stuff like this because, like, again, you know, I'm a late bloomer. You know, just you know, generations. Y'all, you know, we were supposed to go study the greats and stuff like that. However, right, right. you like what you like, and you're and you're influenced by what you're influenced to. So oh, my good. first, my first rapper that I saw, you know, solo was Master Ace, and wow. uh, on, uh, on, uh, on in control. Uh, in control. Why would the OGs get mad about that? Why would well, the because they want me to, you know, Kumo D and and, 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 and like hip the hop the hip. I say that, but I'm just I'm clowning. You know what I'm saying? They they know what they know. You know what I'm saying? Like. Like that's the era, you know. Like Master Ace, that was as cold as you could get for me. I was riding my bike, listening to In Control, you know, like on my on the, my my sister's dad's headphones, you know, yeah. and like on a bike I stole, <laughs> rolling down the street. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I was I was you know doing my thing. That was that that spoke to me. I held onto that tape for as long as I could, but it wasn't mine. It was my uh, my stepfather's. <laughs> We had to take that back so we could put it back in the Cadillac and roll around and stuff. <laughs> but when I when I had it, that's what I was on. Yeah, because you know we're gonna get into this later. But your style reminds me so much of a. It's a mixture of uh, it's a mixture of Sean Price and Redman. Do you do you agree? Am I off? Am I off? Uh, I well, no. Red Redman Redman. I I got into Redman like right around like. And I, and I got into his older stuff right around like the late '90s. That was kind of when I got like super hip to who you know who Redman was. Price, um, I honestly will tell you that Helter Skelter was literally why I became a hip hop head. Yes. So if yes. I if I if, if Sean Price comes out in me, then that's that's great. Yeah. 
it's definitely like you know and that that's a huge compliment too because like sean price was the illest man your style reminds me of him too and, and the mixture of red man i hear a lot of red man in you yeah. um what was the first album that affected you and you kept playing over and over mm-hmm. <laughs> shaq diesel <laughs> ah. yeah. oh, it was just around that time that was the only album I could get with with Fife on it you know yeah. I, what you gotta understand is this uh, like hip hop was literally forbidden in my house yeah 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 I, I couldn't do anything but listen to R&B and like an older 80s stuff and like Cameo so like growing up I was listening to Cameo um, uh, Soul to Soul and like TLC and, and Keith Sweat and uh, you know Alexander O'Neill I, I was listening to like Luther Van Vandross, stuff like that. So, and that was really just because my mother didn't want me, us living, you know, at the time in South Central, she didn't want me to get influenced by anything street related. So she was cutting that whole spectrum of, of art off to me because she didn't want me to get consumed. She was aware of the influence at the time. However, however, destiny has a way of finding its way through. And if something's going to get through to you, it's going to get through to you, man. So as far as, hip-hop itself the album the first one i i got was warren g um g from era <laughs> yeah so yes that's the first yes. that was literally my first cassette tape that i officially owned but before that i was bumping shaq D. <laughs> Because there's different levels to a hip hop fanatic. There's there's the hip hop in our lives where we were young kids listening to it, and then as we get to a junior high and high school, we're becoming young MCs ourselves. We start we not just become fans of hip hop, we start studying it. Right. You know? Um Wow. Okay, so you moved to Oxnard in ninety four. What was your first thoughts? Like what was your first impression? And how old were you when you moved to the Ox? I was what was I like 11 I had to have been 11 I was 11 around the time and then um and my thoughts were um my thoughts were I was gonna try to get with this chick across the street that was that was my first thought because honestly like I was finally like I could go outside I was seeing my people running around like on the corner, like bro, I'm talking like like. Let me paint you a picture, you know. Chest, this is Chester, Chester Way. I don't know, you know, you know the South Side Ox. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Chester Way over there, um, right in the in the the South Side TK's territory. Yeah. But so, if you were from there, they was cool with you. So, like, you go outside, right, and then you'd have the Vatos on the corner, and they had the straight Herculoids, the big PTPA system, just yeah. up, just up, and they were blasting like Big Mike. Like la hosing, changing, swinging, just the whole block is shaking. We're playing football, you know, football in the street, getting tackled on the on the street, taking our skin off our arms and like laughing and running, you know, water balloon fight. I'm on the roof, of course, you know, hopping around, you know, trying to woo this chick out her window named Selena. She got she had gotten shot in the neck, so she got a hole in the neck, but I loved her anyway. <laughs> and like it was just it was hood, yo, and it was great. It was fun. Like, there's no way to describe it, but it was, it was, we were on some hood shit. Just like, right, right. Hood kids having fun, right? Right, right. <laughs> and, okay, so, but why did you guys even relocate to the Ox? What made you guys even pick the city? Like, what made your family, let's try Oxnard. 
Man, there was, I think it was just a matter of trying to find a balance because SAC is just such an extreme place. Mm. And like, there's really just one direction that this, that this places like this are headed in. And mm. like, you're gonna be a gangster, a pimp, or a pusher. Like, that's all you're gonna be up here in, in, in this side of, of the state. It's just, there's not a whole lot here. You know what I mean? And then you have, you know, L.A., which is basically, to me, the other side of the state, where the only other place. And then you yeah. just got, you're only going to be either a gangbanger or, de- or, you know, or a prisoner. <laughs> like, that's just what it is. Like, that's the only influence, the strongest influences you have in these environments. So when you come to a place like Ox, yeah, of course, let me, let, me, let me back that up a little bit. Then you got Central, where your yeah. environment is you're stuck around a whole lot of people who don't want you around. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, just because of the color of your skin or whatever the fuck they, they're on. But my bad, I don't know if I'm supposed to cuss. Oh, like, no, you can like, 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 all right, cool, cool. I'll speak my man, my mind, goddammit, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> like, uh, no, nah, just you're in a uh, environment where people just don't want you around. You know what I'm saying? And so Oxnard, and for me, Oxnard was yeah. like, and this is what it's had to be in going to my mother's place. It's just the perfect balance. Yeah, um, man. The Southern California life with the, you know, you have the weather, you have the water, you have the people. Yeah. And all kinds of, you got Filipinos, you got Samoans, you got black folks, you got Mexicans, you got Hindi folks, you got Asians, you got everybody, literally and, all, and damn near an even amount, on, yeah. you know, all the way around. You got everybody in one city just just running, yeah. just doing their thing. Yep. Not so much of a big city, right? Not so much of a right. big city. Exactly. Uh, not so big, but we, we were definitely by the beach. But it doesn't mean that we were like a beach town. There was also some hood parts. There was some hood parts of Oxnard, right? Yeah, of course. But you, I think anywhere you live, you're going to have the South Side. That's just yeah. the way... That that society works, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Or they push all the riffraff to the to the south side, you know what I'm saying? Like that's just what it is, and like you're gonna have the energy, you know, radiate from that side of town. That side of town is going to depict the direction that the city heads in. You yeah, know what I'm and so I mean that's kind of how that works. And people had to learn how to coexist, and that's why I think there was violence and gang tension within the mid 90s like like of course early 90s to the mid 90s even early 2000s the the gang the gang activity was thick and uh, yeah i don't know if that affects our mentality and music in any way as artists but it probably does in a subconscious level like how we grew up in Oxnard. it probably affects us how oh, we yeah. approach music too man no absolutely uh, it's it's right? it's what it is is it creates it generates a, a desperation an honest mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a and a level of discipline that you have to have to be able to get the attention you're after. Yeah. And I guess what I mean is you can get all the love all around the world and all around the United States, but, mm-hmm. but there's nothing like getting that validation from our hood, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 the funny thing about that is it's a commodity. That is a commodity in us. Yeah. And it's 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 the it's the it's the the height and it's the downfall at the same time. You got yeah. everybody trying to hoard the skill, trying to hoard the talent, trying to hoard the the hype. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Which is which can be healthy depending on 
what level of you know ambition you're at it can be scary it can be beautiful mm. we're we're highly critical of ourselves and each other right yeah too high too critical of ourselves and too critical of each other yeah highly critical of ourselves super hard in ourselves especially the standard that we want to put our music on we're super super critical right um, let me ask you this dax how old were you hold on let me rephrase which one came first for you freestyling or writing rhymes oh freestyle all day i we i didn't have the luxury or time of sitting down writing whole tracks you know i had to memorize stuff right all the times all the times like i ever the first time i actually sat down and, and, and wrote something down was actually on the on the steps of my next door neighbor's house of the very hood i was speaking of earlier on chester way california or chester way Oxnard, california um we were all on the steps and there was literally like five of us and we were like you know what let's start a rap group you know kids we're into everything all at once so hey, let's start a rap group yeah so we all sat down and we all wrote these raps and like every you know and, and one of my boys just basically just rewrote uh, uh, uh um ghetto boys uh track and i was like okay yeah we heard that before and then um my other homeboy was just like yeah hip hip hop i am the man and da, 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 and we can see you in japan yeah like, you know and like me i wrote and i and i can't even remember i'm trying to think back to like what i said but i said something <laughs> bro it's such a blur i, I should memorize because that's all i could do back then i can't i can't even remember the exact words but i spit the verse and then when i was done i looked up and everybody's mouth was open and they were just staring at me i was i was 11 i was 11 Wow, so you started early freestyling. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So I mean, I start. Well, that was like I said. That was just that was just the first written, and then freestyling after that day. After that day, I realized I was like, oh, y'all was impressed by that. So then I was actually walking around, memorizing raps in my head, whole verses. I'd have a whole album of verses just memorized in my head, a raps I just made up. Like, luckily, I lived so far away from my schools that like. I had like a two to five hour trip, you know, going to and from school. I had plenty of time to just rap and think up shit and memorize it in my head. So then by the time I got to school, for example, and everybody decided they wanted to be rappers, I'd hit the circle, I'd hit the, you know, mic, whatever it was, and I spit. And everybody's like, who's that? You know what I mean? And like, and that was kind of the cool part about it. And then I realized that like, I didn't know it was freestyling back then. I thought it was just rhyming, rapping. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I didn't know. I, I wasn't aware of like the whole, you know, cadence of, of of one thing or the other when it came to the craft. All I knew was I just made up. I made up some rhymes. I could rap, and I made them up, and I got them in my head. And when I, and whenever it was time to rap, I would rap. And that was the art of freestyling to me. That's just like you had to freestyle if you want to yeah. be a rapper. That was <laughs> you know, that was what that was the ideology I adopted. You know what I'm saying? I'm so happy for this interview, man. Fucking Dex. Um, yo, Dex, so at what point did you did you transition into writing rhymes? Ugh, I, I honestly and and actually no, that's pretty easy because during school, during our school days, we had all the time in the world to just sit around and, and bullshit and, and spit and rap and get down and, and and hit the scythe and see who's better and battle and just you know go back and forth and then you uh you just there's nothing else going on and of course right around the time you start you know you start you know hey it's uh time for y'all to 
start getting them studies together because, you know, you only got like two more years of high school and <laughs> you better get your shit together. You know what I'm saying? And then like kind of right around that time is when you get back to the family aspect of it. Things start falling apart and things start getting rough. And then you got a whole lot of other things to think about. But the crap that you hold dear, you don't want to lose that. So then I get these ideas and then I get them in my head. I memorize them. And then by the end of the day, I forgot them. I was like, fuck, I should have wrote that down. Oh, I'll, I'll start doing that. And then I got this little stupid green rhyme book, which I still have, by the way. And I started writing down the, the raps that I would make up through the day. Mm. And I would just develop ver- verses. And then, of course, I'm discovering that this is a rap book. These are written. These are written that I'm spitting. And then I think I got in a battle with uh, somebody. And then, like, that was kind of the revelation. I think it was Top Ramen. Top Ramen was who I got in the battle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, John John. I guess that's his name now. And, like, this is, of course, a party I snuck into at one of Juju's parties. Wasn't even supposed to be there. I had to be like, like you know, 13, 14, sneaking into the party. I was six foot by then, so it was easy to blend in. And so they, uh, I think Henry was on the mic, and they were rocking the mic. And then I grabbed the mic, and I spit. And then John Ramen, being who he was, he stepped to me and started battling me. And, like, he said some about my glasses. I was wearing glasses at the time. And then, like, uh, I, I was like, I was like, look at you, look, like I'm, I'm see, like look at you. Who you think you trying to clown? Talking about you freestyle? Who you know you write it down? That's my word. I started spitting, and everybody started going crazy. And I was all I was doing was just exposing them for like, because what this, it's the stuff he was saying. And he wrote it down, and then yeah. I kind of exposed him. And I was like, okay, I gotta start writing my stuff down, and I gotta start freestyling my stuff. I have to keep them separated. So anything I wrote down, I never spit in a freestyle. So that was kind of where I deciphered the difference between the two where there's writing and there's freestyling. And right around that time, I want to say I was like, what? I was, I was 14. When, when you started, started like writing? When I started writing. Sorry, I took a big giant lap to answer that question, but. No, no, don't trip. Don't like, trip. Like, this this hip hop shit is a blur. <laughs> nah, man. It's like, like Dex, I'm gonna be honest. I I don't remember the last time I saw a Dex interview. Like so, I feel like man, I never seen Dex get interviewed. So it's an honor, dude, to like really share the people um your story. Because oh, there's layers, there's layers. I just like I dial it back because there's all sorts of layers to the to the Riff Raff McGriff story. <laughs> and ladies and gents, this is where I, I kind of come in and uh, I got to paint a picture for you guys from my perspective. So <laughs> uh, I went to Channel Islands High School. So that was the circumference of my peoples and where I grew up in South Ox. And um, uh, Wainibi High School was a school over the, the next uh, other side of the hood. And then there was Oxnard High. So all we know growing up is Channel Islands High School. That's 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 all we know <laughs> um and and i come from a group called salty peanuts there was five filipino kids um that we were just trying to find our identity through hip-hop and we were fans of the culture and we were aware that we were filipinos and we started djing so the, the homies became djs and we started djing house parties in oxnard now i noticed every time we dj something on the wainimi side of things <laughs> I would see I would see Dex <laughs> and Dex would rock the open 
every time Dex was there, he would grab the mic and rap on the open mic and rap at the parties. And that's when me and my homies got shy and didn't, we, we didn't want to go up no more after Dex, after Dex goes on, right? <laughs> I start, so the first people that I met in Epsilon Project is probably Dex mm. and then Kingsley yep. and then J-Pro. Now, yep. now, not just that, at, at around my senior year in high school, the, the, that summer going to senior year, it, it had to be 2002, I believe. Right. Something happened in downtown Oxnard called Cafe On A. Shouts to ASR Entertainment. On A. My friends would say, Marlon, I know you're trying to do this hip-hop thing. You got to check out this open mic at the Cafe on A. Every Thursday night. I believe it fell on Thursday night. And even through the summer, it was going down, right? I think think Friday night. It was Thursday or Friday. One of those days. And I would go. And there was many classic nights there, ladies and gents, where I just had the pleasure of seeing Kingsley. (laughs) I would see Kingsley and Dax just battle each other for fun. (laughs) But it would... It was like a free show, like yes. I was amazed. It was like a free show. Kingsley yeah. and Dex would go at it, and Dex and J Pro, just for fun, just battling each other for fun. I was that well, was the we, most. It, <laughs> it, it was it was such a beautiful that man that oh yeah. you know it was such a beautiful era because it was like it wasn't just a bunch of whack shit going down somewhere. It was really classic moments, like and heads, kids. like 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 what you call it, like were yeah, kids, bro. It was kids. kids. We were just we had kids. hey, we had older cats coming to the cafe and they beefing with us. We had yeah. cats from Project Blowed come down to cafe on a beefing with kids, yo. We were that nice. We were that nice, man. And I'm and I'm Epsilon Project. You know what I'm saying? We were that nice. We were one of the crews out there and there was many crews you know what i'm saying like getting down we the way we came into it yeah was man. just so <laughs> natural yo we started as kids linked up we, we became a crew by battling and it was mm-hmm. like if it wasn't by battling with rap it was battling like break dancing or battling beatboxing like that's how our crew came together we were all opponents at one point and then we linked up and became a piece of all the high schools, for example. We became yes. a piece of all the high schools. So if you knew about Epsilon Project, you knew about, like you were saying, Oxnard High, Wanini, DI, fucking Rio Mesa. Like you knew, like you knew about all the high schools. And we were going to everybody's high school, ripping their main MCs. It's what we did. We were, we were, we were, we used to be DVS, of course. That was our first Devastation Squad. That's that was me and Kings. We, we used to do that. We would just go from school to school, taking out, hunting down the lead MCs or the lead B-boys and taking them out. Like, that was what we did. And then, like, we met this cat named Pro. And the shit did not happen the way it was supposed to happen. <laughs> and then, like, it was just one of those things that went on. on. And it was like, you know what? Come to my house. We're going to finish this. Come to my house, right? Come yeah. to my house, we're gonna finish this, right? And it was like, and that was the coolest part about when Pro came into the picture. It was like, it was cool because of our setup. Like we were all students, you know what I'm saying? We had this cat named Rial, who uh, who got who was a, a karate instructor. What up, Rial? Yeah, What's yeah. Up, boy? He was the leader and guide and and grooming us into to being the hip hop, the the militant hip hop heads that we were. He was just like, don't freestyle, don't say nothing whack. Like you know what I mean? Like 
you can't rap like that. You know, they're like, because it's whack. This is what's whack. You're doing that. Don't do that. We're like, oh, shit. Like, we can't do no whack shit. So we had to make sure we were on point. So that was kind of what we were always doing. We were always challenging ourselves, going out to schools and putting ourselves right in the battlefield and just seeing what we, you know, where we stood, you know, as far as skills were considered. You know what I mean? We would go to like fiestas, which is where the first place I ever saw Mad live in, in person, in real life. Because yeah. we were down to fiestas, just siphon on the corner. And then like the girl I was talking to, which at the time was John John's girl who I stole, um, was, uh, she's like, oh, is that is that Jack? And then like, I looked and then, and I'm gonna you know, tell a secret. I didn't realize that Loop Pack and Loop Pack were the same people, if that makes any sense. I heard Loop Pack on the radio, but I didn't realize that Loop Pack, that the people I was looking at was Loop Pack. And then I saw them, same cats, at the Ventura Theater, and I was like, oh, they were right there with us. Like, they were literally like, they were right there on the side. They came walking down the street in Santa Barbara while we were uh, siphoned. And Jack, Wild Child, uh, Mad Lib, and Rome's were uh just came walked up and just stood there listened to us rap and of course they did that right when i was rapping so i saw them and i started fumbling and mumbling and then when and we saved each other whenever we start fumbling and mumbling we we, we start we jump in kings yo in my facility be so many studies so you know he, he like he'll jump in and like take the mic and like that's how we always seem like we were always on point because we had chemistry like we knew each other's style so much because we were opponents yeah. We knew each other's style so much. We knew where to come in. We knew where to pick up. We knew when to pass it. We knew how to get whack fools out the site. We you know we we scoot pass it to somebody and then just they'd go nuts and scare all the whack fools out the site. Like that was like, yes, yeah, that was how we operated, man. It was it was a beautiful yeah. thing. It was chemistry. It sounds cocky, but I'm not, I got witnesses. Nah, man. Yo, listen to like ladies and gents, like um, yo, Slimer, Busy B. If you guys hear this, yes, ASR, hey. Yo, Props, P- I got P- ASR, Ken uh, Kick, Ono, Archives, up. another cat that a lot of heads have, you know have had something to do with. Archives, look him up. There's so many. There's layers to the deck story. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, like I'm saying, like um, I have nothing but fond memories from the time I was 15 to 18. Those three years just being around the hip hop scene. To be honest with you, um, the the people that I met at Cafe On A is pretty much in my life to this day um yeah. that's right that's right Quota. that's right man uh that's right Matt clutch uh and you know that's right man uh grapple I, I battled grapple you know and um like i i just met so many integral mcs that became a, a huge part of my story in my life and just my career and like um let me ask you this dex uh who was the first person you met out of Epsilon? Uh, Kingsley. Kingsley. <laughs> Kings <Who was> because <laughs> I, I had just come to Wanini from CI, right? So yeah. I love you, Kings. This is <laughs> a legend. Yo, <laughs> and, uh, it, it, uh, and you guys crazy. don't understand. You guys don't understand that, oh like, my God, dude. you can't talk about uh, underground ox. There's the, there's the, you know, there's the underground ox, and then there's the underground ox. The new underground ox, Kings, yeah, is a legend, bro, in, in many Yo. different aspects. Oh my god! Dude. Even in high school, the cat was just weird. So like, I came right to to Wanimi from CI, so I was already keeping my fucking mouth shut. 
I didn't want to get my ass beat up. <laughs> I was already like, I ain't saying shit. Thanks. You're fucking killing me tonight, so, bro. You're killing me, fool. I go and I sit down, and then, like, Big Pun had just come out. And rest in peace. No, all respect to Big Pun. Yeah. But dude was a big dude, man. So, <laughs> like, and we're kids. So we're yeah, already yeah, yeah. just, like, going off. Yeah. So, like, yeah. like at the time, of off the hook this year. Making mad money off the books this year. And it just dropped. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting in a circle. And I'm laughing with my homie V and, like, uh, and like uh, uh, my homie uh, Sugar Pickles and stuff like that. We had weird nicknames. We was breaking them. Foods and everybody. And then this guy, this 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 grown-ass man, gray hair and everything, just walks up. And he, like, he does this walk. He like, and he was big at the time, so bigger, you know. So, like, he was comes walking up like a penguin with his feet to the side. About it's off the hook this year, making mad money off the books this year, and that shit made me laugh so hard. I was just like, "What the hell?" And I was like, "What is this old dude doing here <laughs> in high school still?" <laughs> like, and it didn't—I I didn't realize because at the time, he, you know, he just had gray hair. That was what it was. He just looked like an older dude, but he's literally like a year young or half a year younger than me. <laughs> so, like, I was—it was just everything that came out of his mouth was hilarious. Larry, and just like I'm, the whole time I'm sitting there, this is the course of the conversation. Like, like, hey, anybody ever seen a roach piss? And I'm just like, what? And then we start rolling and laughing, and like, and then he'll start rapping, and then he's like, like talking about eating rats and like and being homeless and rapping, you know, talking about not surviving and making all the recipes with the dead animals he felt he found in the alley and stuff. And he's just rapping and talking about like goat cheese, eating fucking sauteing rat knees. And like the shit was just so random, and I was just crying, laughing. It was everything that came out of his mouth was just totally ridiculous and funny. And I had never met nobody like him. And at yeah. the time, we were just b boys, like yeah. like we start, we were breakdancing, and it was already funny enough that he was as big as he was. Breakdancing, yeah, though, he gets busy though, bro. The, I've seen busy. this man was five, what five eight, two hundred and fifty something pounds. Yo. Doing backflips, and you know what? I got you know Kingsley man. Um, when they when they first started the podcast, Kingsley was pretty much like episode number eight, and um, I'm now in like episode 115 or something. So he definitely supported me in this new phase of my life. And like, um, all jokes aside, guys, this like so we were going to CI right rapping, and the buzz about Kingsley himself was so strong. This is the story. Like, I have a friend that went to my knee high, and he knows I was rapping. So he goes, Marlon, you say you rap, right? I go, yeah. Well, you got to check out this guy named Kingsley. Yo, Marlon, check this out. This guy will walk up to you in the hallway and start rapping to you in the conversation, but everything makes sense. But, yeah. he's, but he's freestyling. But right. he's talking right. to you like he's rapping, Amazing. but it's making sense. It's rhyming. It's making sense. And I was like, word, I got a seed for myself. So I was in trap. I was in trap and field, right? So we had a track meet in Wainini High. And we had, <laughs> and sure enough, no. I didn't know that when I was a freshman, uh, Kingsley was basically a senior. So he was, he, he was in trap. So yeah. all, of, all of a sudden, he started rapping and there was a big crowd started formulating around him. <laughs> Kingsley was like a young KRS one. Yep. The voice, yep. his voice was just amplified without the mic, and like yeah. I was just amazed, man. We so, yo, Kingsley King Crab, Dex. Um, and then from there you met J Bro, and yeah. 
around what year did you guys really start saying, all right, let's let's make it official and call it Epsilon Project? Well, Epsilon actually formed before I got in because, again, you know, like me, a lot of you cats didn't notice. I was homeless as fuck that, that whole time. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was homeless from the time I was 15 to, like, just everything y'all saw. I was literally, like, living in cars and sleeping at the path. You look at the album cover of my first little release, official release album, The Laboratory and Saga. Um, I'm on the roof. Like, I was sleeping there. Wow. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I just, I'm, you know, what the saying is, you know, everybody's, you know, being broke isn't bad, is only bad if you're bad at being broke. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I was good at being broke, so like, like, I knew how to work and be functional without having a home. You know what I mean? Like, I knew how to get down. So, I ended up actually relocating to Oregon. And wow. when I got to Oregon, of course, this is right after. I think you, you may have been aware. It's the time I had gotten robbed while I was at Cafe on A. And I had actually had all my stuff at my friend's house. Yeah. And um, I had my MPC and everything set up. And then I had, I had gone to Cafe on A. I came back and look, we had gotten robbed. And they took my MPC and they took my mic and they took all my, my mini discs and players and all that stuff. So um, I ended up not having a lot of the stuff I needed to make beats. So I ended up going up north and uh, I sold my car and I had gotten another MPC. Like, I didn't care. I just like, you know, I'm going to go up north. I'm going to sell my car, go up north, use that money to get another MPC. I didn't care about nothing else in this world. It's just having that MPC back. Got the MPC back and everything that was gathering and stuffing in my head throughout the whole little year or two and a half that I was stuck without making beats just flooded out onto mini disc and or CD. And I would send everything to Kings. And then Kings would play it back home. And then, of course, he was still with Rial and Rial had already taken control and brought a lot of the rappers from his era into the circle. So yeah. then you had Calm and you had E and you had MP and you had, you know, Jamu and you had uh, Armani come yeah. into, the, into the mix or, yeah. uh, you know, we came into their mix, so to speak. They started playing my stuff and then we, eventually everybody kind of broke off and did their own thing. And of course, Armani, E, Calm, MP, Pro, Kings, and Verb all stayed together and they were like, yo, what's up with Dex? <laughs> like, like, listen to this. And they, they had heard that song I had done. Um, uh, I don't even remember the name of it. That's sad. Uh, but I had done a, I had done a song, uh, Roof, a Rooftop Rocker was it. Was what I did. And then um, they heard it and they were like, yo, like, like, what are you doing right now? I'm just saying, man, I'm just, make, I'm just making rap, yo. I'm just making tracks in my yeah. room. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm doing. And like why? Why don't you make? Why don't you join the? You know, Epsilon. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I was like Epsilon, Epsilon Project. Like, like, and then they're like, yeah, man, like, like it's. This. And then I ended up coming down. I think I I, I come down to visit, and I, I met up with everybody, and I was just like, yeah, like, we can rock. And then we started recording, and that was that was Epsilon Project. And then we just started getting shows and just popping up random places like we usually do, and still trying to battle cats and still trying to do stuff we was doing. You know, in the golden, in, in the we call it the dark ages. <laughs> and, uh, that's it. Just kind of, 
how it, that's how it, it happened. You know what I mean? Like it would had to have been uh, two thousand and three. Yeah. Like yeah, that's kind of when it, Epsilon became Epsilon. Exactly. Um, I remember a lot of shows around town. I remember all the shows that you guys were doing out of town. And let's talk about man when you guys. So, ladies and gents, like I was so proud of just people from my hood doing things, you know. And I was like, I was like a freshman in college, just looking at what the what the guys are doing. Like, wow, I'm so inspired. Um, you guys got to Europe. Tell me about your experience when you guys did Europe. Yeah, yeah, that, that I, I'm gonna tell you right now. That trip actually saved my life. It got me out, physically out of a very bad situation, and to a completely different place. Let you know and it humbles you down and it opens your eyes and makes you realize yo you're a grain of sand on the beach mm-hmm. like you know what I mean like you got there's this world is you are very small you are very small compared to the, this world once we got out there it was just one of the best things you could that can happen to young aspiring artists yep. you get out of your element and into a set where of professionalism and experiences that you got to be ready for it's it's it humbles you you know what i mean and wild child you know peace peace to wild child because it genuinely saved my life i was already like yo, i'm about to just become a gangbanger and 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 make something you know make this life count for something you know what i mean and that literally opened up my eyes like what are you doing like you got look at look at this i got over there and the one incident and there was many but this is the one that stood out just for the, between the food and the crowd and the size of the crowd. We performed for like what had to have been like 5,000 people. Like a crowd, imagine, imagine. And it doesn't sound like much, but 5,000 people. You come out and you're like, oh, shit. Biggest crowd you ever seen. It like, you felt like a star. And people are treating you like you're a star. You know yeah. what I mean? Not like that was what it was about for me, but like, and for instance, we went to uh, Switzerland. It was a show in Switzerland. And we were rocking. And then after, I think, right after the set, or no, no, I believe it was right before the set. I was backstage. And then this this cat, he had to be Nigerian. He was like, walks through, goes, Dex. I looked at him, I was like, yeah, Dex. He was like, Dex, Dex, I think I'll take a walk. Outside. And he starts saying my my tr- the words to my track. And I put my drink down and I just looked at him like, you know who I am? He's like, oh, and like, and he got hype, and he was like, oh, shit. like, it's Dex, it's Dex, and he started taking pictures. Want to take pictures? Yeah, he pulls out a burned ass copy of my fucking Left Jordan Saga, and like, I, I didn't want him to sign it, and I, and I signed it. And he took pictures, and he was like telling, and, like, and he had a, he had a, uh, uh, I think he had like a, you know, at the time it was like a, a flip phone. Uh, what is that? The T-Mobile phone, the flip, yeah. the, the flip sidekick. He had the sidekick. Yeah. And he was like taking pictures and messaging his friends, like, "Oh shit, oh it's fucking Dex, MySpace, you know, the, the MySpace page post." And I was just like, the whole time I was just in shock. And then right after that, and then like you know, he went on his way because we were about to go on. And that literally, like, I just felt a ringing in my ears after that. It was like, bro, like, like this is this is not a game anymore. You're reaping. We're at thirty six thousand miles from home right now. Uh, motherfuckers know who I am. Not everybody. I mean, every, he knew he knew who everybody was, but he approached me. We got a whole crew of legends, and he approaches me, and I was just like, and he must have dri- he must have came. I mean, he was Nigerian, but he probably lived in Germany. He drove to that show just to meet me. And what was, year? Did, yeah. Huh. 
What year did you guys go to, um, to Europe? Oh, it was what, 08? And how many weeks did you guys stay out there? We we were out there for uh, uh, three or four weeks, something like that. Three or four weeks. Um, how many shows did you guys rock out there? Oh, my God. <laughs> bro, I can't, I honestly can't remember, bro. I had to, in, those, in that time period, I must have gotten at least about seven whole hours of sleep. Wow, dude. None of us slept. We were just doing show after show, show after show. Then we'd sleep in the car on the way to the next little country. Then we'd wake, then we'd wake up, go inside, perform. I think our, our first actual night of rest was in France. And, like, I got to sleep in a bed the whole night. And then, by then, we had already done, like, 10 or 11 shows. So... <laughs> How many countries did you guys touch out there, Dax, when you guys went out there? You know, Europe's weird because it's a whole bunch of little countries that are like, you know, tied together. So, the the, the you know, we went to Munich, we went to Germany, we went to Hanover. Uh, shout out to Mortis One. Um, we went to uh, Switzerland, where we almost got killed by some clerks because a wild child slammed somebody's head in the door. For real. <laughs> And then, and then ran off and then hopped in the van and drove off and then they came out with machetes and saw oh, us yeah. sitting there like wet dogs with our ears back in the, in the van like oh shit so yeah there's there's that, there's that and then um there was uh uh yeah i think yeah nancy I, I could be just naming a bunch of places in the same countries but there were there was like that like at least six or seven memorable ones right um let me ask like what year did you really drop with Blood Twain Saga? Um, that album was actually just a composite of tracks that mm -hmm. I had started at ASR. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like the, the the summer song or whatever. That song was hilariously what what got uh, the cats from uh, from Vibe Records or whatever hitting me up. That song is crazy. That song is cool. I listen to it now, like what the fuck. But back then, it was like it was feel good. It was like there was like a lot of little feel good tracks dropping around that time. That had been of like what oh four or five. That was like, and then uh, um, that's when you I, dropped that. Okay. No, no, no. That's when I recorded that song. Okay. And then um, I'm just trying to think. I'm putting the memories together, and then uh, um, I ended up turning down because I called my cousin. He's like, no. Don't sign nothing until I take a look at it. I ended up turning down the deal. And then um, I kept the track. And then I, I started like paying this guy I used to work with when I worked at the Guitar Center to go and record in the studio. And then uh, between him and then Can Kick. Well, I went to Can Kick's house and recorded like the last couple of tracks. And that was in 07. Wow. And then after I got everything together, I was I was up in Oregon, and, I, and then I kind of put everything together. And then I sent the track, the, the, the album back to Kings and Pro. They packaged it up for me because it was they were we were trying to start the label, the Epsilon Project, the label. They packaged everything up for me, and it dropped, I believe, in two thousand and seven. Wow, did that? You know, one thing about Dax's style is also like. Um, it was always ahead of its time, even the beats. Like, when I listen to that album now, um, the Laboratory and Saga, it sounds new now. It sounds like it's current. And, like, um, like mm. how do I say this? Uh, 
that's mastering this way of promoting himself what i always said that to me was like uh you never overplayed or oversaturated yourself never burned yourself out and what i mean is you drop when you want to drop <laughs> you drop when you feel like you want to drop and every time yeah. you drop it's ill you never miss a step but yeah, you never yeah you never over promote yourself you don't you never overdo it so when you when you yeah. drop it counts man right counts. I, and i hate and i hate that aspect of marketing because then it devalues the artist when you mm. sit there and just feed somebody cake or you mm. know not after not after not after that they're gonna get started you know they're gonna get tired of cake mm. even though, no matter how good it is it's just like like when you think about cake you want to throw up you know, you know what i mean and i get about that I get like that about a lot of the cats I hear these days. Just, you know what I mean? There might even be a chance where I may be feeling one of these cats, but they just pepper you with it. That's the new marketing scene. The more you hear, the more you're supposed to like it. But I've never been on that same wavelength with that. So I've always been the cat to take a step back. I don't like to sit here and over-promote myself. Promote, 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 promote. I've always said that. And then every little deal semi deal I've gotten throughout my career it's just been about promotion promotion I'm like why can't I just make music well you gotta promote first well what am I gonna promote we gotta make you know music okay how about we make the music and then I'll put it out and the heads I want to listen to will come looking for it you know what I mean like oh that ain't, that ain't gonna work it's like well that ain't gonna work for you you know what I mean yeah. and yeah, for yeah. me I'd rather have the 30 or 50 cats that listen to me yeah, buy my shit, and and that way I can still do the music I love to do, and sit up here and try to sell my 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 craft to somebody who's just gonna stuff people with cake with it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And um, so you guys, you guys come back from Europe. What was the game plan for Epsilon Project next? What we were just plan? just keep doing shows, just keep doing shows, keep doing shows. We were gonna do it in the Ox. We were gonna do it the Ox way. And do mm -hmm. shows in the ox and link up. Now that we got this under our belt, we got to start doing power moves. And we start, you know, buying, you know, we start buying beats from uh from uh Kev Brown, and, and um we start you know collabing with uh, Odyssey, and we start you know doing you know getting Mr. Leegy on track, and and uh and um and uh we start trying to connect with it, like all of the the bigger heads. And the thing is, we we start getting into the business aspect of it mm -hmm. and we start getting on a program but around this time is when a lot of our lives had to start getting together you know what i mean we had to start putting together our lives you know like like pro pro is getting his you know his legal his his, his you know license legal license you know practice law you know that's important you know what i mean like things start getting important right around the side right around the time things start getting uh busy you know what i'm saying yeah. So that's kind of where I see we were supposed to be heading. We were supposed to be heading in the power move direction. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? And I think that we we did that to a certain degree. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and I think for some of us it worked. And then like, you know, I think that that was really the main focus of Epsilon Project after that, because that was just too big of a step to take to not move on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
and I think the the single this that crew came out like you guys put out a 12 inch it was around maybe 2005 right like mm-hmm. I remember yeah. the single no and that was I think that was like a little bit after yeah that was around that time a little bit after this that crew and um and ladies and gents uh shouts to Danny G hip hop hip hop having a Q1047 it was a big deal at the time for Danny G to break a record that came from the hip hop from the underground hip hop that was going on in Oxnard at the time. And uh, I was a sophomore in high school, man, tuning in. Absalon Project was getting played at Q1047. Like the, the buzz was strong. And that was a big deal because that was a big deal, man. The fact that Q1047 played it and, you know, it was like, wow, they're, they're fucking with, a, with, with, with one of us, you know, like. Local. Like the, the, the underground hags that, that yeah. fuck with this shit. And um, all right, so. People became, you know, it's like this, right, Dex? People became adults. People grew up, and people started uh, pursuing careers, right? Well, uh, they started. I'm a, I'm a. We started pursuing a career. Hip hop mm-hmm. was meant to be. T- we, were, we were like, okay, we're gonna take this seriously and go somewhere with it, or we're gonna just stay, sit in, the, you know, sit in the ox, and, mm-hmm. and and have everybody just, you know, sitting on us. You know what I mean? Sleeping on us. So that mm-hmm. was kind of like the direction. We, we we had to take it seriously. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's the, the real, that's the perspective it was. And around what year did you move to Sacramento? Because I, I remember we were keeping in touch this whole time, just keeping in touch, building. Yeah. And uh, what year did you move to Sacramento, back up north? Yeah, Sacramento. Um, that was that was actually right before we went to Europe, because, like I said, it was it was you know I was going through some stuff with the homelessness and whatnot, and. I had finally found a spot, you know what I'm saying? And like, uh, I ended up, you know, some, some shit went down and I almost got locked up mm-hmm. from trying to take this fool's life mm-hmm. for, for getting at me sideways, you know, macho bullshit. And I ended up not really having an option at the time. I was just like, well, like, I'm not giving up this opportunity to go to Europe. You know what I mean? Over some clown, you know what I mean? So I ended up standing down, but I ended up losing like my apartment and stuff like that. And then right right back in the thick of it, right? And I was just like, well, I can't go backwards. And my only option is to go and, and, and back up north to Sac, where my family is. You know, like my cousin. And, you know, and a cousin of mine who's pretty much been like my older brother my whole life in the background. Anytime I've just been really down, he's just like, yo, come back, come, come home. And that's what I did. I just went, I hopped on the train. This was, uh, this was 2000 and, yeah, it, was, it was 2006, I believe. 2006, I hopped on the train and went back. Um, it was the end of 2006. And I hopped on the train, went back to SAC and just kind of tried to get a little buzz going up here. And it worked for like, you know, three seconds. <laughs> and then eventually I had to start shooting people in the face and pushing and getting cracking all that stuff. And, like, I ended up just kind of stationing here. Yeah. Um, around 2015, guys, I was working on an album called The Deductible, and I was looking for beats, man, and I was always in touch with Dex. And I, around that time, I, I see Dex still putting out music videos. And I, I would see that video that you put out, and, um, and Unexpect was in the background. What's the name of that song? Oh, Unexpect. Uh, 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 u
Yeah, man. What year was that, bro? That was like we were still keeping in touch that year too. Like, man, that, Dex, Dex is still killing it, son. Man, that that album. I mean that 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 song. That song was, I believe, what two thousand and ten. Yeah, 2010, had 2011. Had, yeah, had to be around there. Yes. I, I mean, it might even been 09. Might even been 09. Um, let's let's talk about your album Slow Grip. What I love about it is that um, I love how you got Mike Bless and Mike Construct on it, and I love how you got Mark Ford on it. I think your collaborations with him are, are coming out sick. I heard your verse with him on his project, the uh, the Lighting Trees project. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And um, I've, I've been hearing your, um, it's crazy because I interviewed C. Keys for the podcast and, and uh, Kazi and um, yeah. your song must be the liquor. I, I was bumping that this past couple months too. And uh, you're still killing it, Dex. Like, it's just amazing, man, how, you know what? I thought about this, like, you fall in that category of MCs like J Electronica and Most Def and Andre Three Stacks. And here's why I say it. People know that they're amazing and they have this way to to leave people wanting to hear more, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they never overplay themselves. They'll come out when they feel like it. I like. Yeah. I I always kind of admire that. Like I wish I was more like that, you know? No, it's I just don't. if you love it, if you love it, you want to keep it. You want to keep it sacred, and that's <laughs> that's how I look at at my craft. I love mm-hmm. rap. Rap mm-hmm. has gotten me a lot of opportunities. It's, it's got me oh, yeah. lifelong friends, lifelong you know experiences. You know, mm-hmm. love. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've, I've, it's got me around the world, literally around the world. Just mm-hmm. doing it, just loving it. You yeah. Know man. I mean? So you, you gotta, you gotta keep it sacred. You gotta keep it close to your heart. You have to love it. You know Amen. I mean? if, you, if you just let everybody have it, you know what I'm saying? And the love, the love is gonna fade. You know what I mean? And so like, as long as I still hold my ownership of my craft, I'm always gonna love it. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, peace to Kazi and Mark Ford and uh, C. Keys and and uh the claim and, and georgia and everybody I've, I've, I've worked with you know what i mean like in that yeah. in, in that period you know what i mean like so many others you know mike bless he he in between mike bless and can kick they just kind of like every time i'm like they had an article about uh, mcs that have fallen off and then my name came up and i was like well i know i was here wait, 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 i, mean, I was wait, just thinking about, about it about. What do you mean? There's an article about MCs falling off. What do oh, you mean? Well, you know how how social media goes. Like they 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 got these little articles about you know MCs that have fallen off, and they start naming people who fell off. And I'm like, and they got my name on there. My, my, my boy uh, Sali from uh, really? Point, he point he 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 tagged me, and I was like, what? Like why am I on this? I was never here. Like you know what I mean? Like I made it a point to not be here. So like for me, it was kind of like like all right well let me just go ahead and, and drop some more shit then <laughs> like I, I you think i don't got shit <laughs> dax man i'm gonna tell you something uh I, I didn't get to ask about this in early 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 in the interview but when did you start making beats how old oh, were you beats? really fucking with the beats oh bro i was making beats before i was doing anything i was making beats when i was eight years old i got a track if you ask pro and kings they got a copy of it of the first track i recorded with two boom boxes and a keyboard, Casio keyboard. And I was I watched too much New York Undercover and I was just ready to rap. You know, the tracks that they would play on that show were just like, you know, Sparking Mad is you know Channel Live and Method Man, like like I was just hearing a lot of raw shit. 
and I had to get those beats because I didn't have access to them. I had to get those beats somehow, and then I started using uh, tape recorders and boom boxes and recording track, you know, one track with the beat, one track with melody. Sometimes I would just rap over the piano while I was playing it, you know what I'm saying, and like, and get it in. So I had to have been like eight when I made my first actual beat. How about the MPC? When did you start fucking with the MPC? The MPC was 1999. I still owe Skeet $500 for that MPC. <laughs> um, Dex, man, uh, tell me about the process for Slow Grip. It, it came out in 2020. There's about 18, 20 joints. Um, how was, because I listened to the album from top to bottom. You made all the beats for that album? Uh, I think I got one. I think I got one beat from, uh, no, I guess I made them all. <laughs> My bad. You yeah. made all. You made all the beats for Slow yeah. Grip. Yeah. And then for the Laboratory and Saga, you made all the beats for that one too. No, Can Kick is Can Kick and Archives are on that one as well. Mm. I think yeah, Can Kick. Yeah, yeah, Can Kick and Archives. They they they've been literally again just. Just the elbow in my back keeping me upright. You know what I mean? Like they've been like just young from a young cat to now. Like, like they will let you know when something's whack, and they will let you know mm. when something's dope. And like, and I just appreciate them. You know, I appreciate honoring them with not having back yet. <laughs> so that's why I keep doing it. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, all the all those beats. You know, I got Bronto bites of beats. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's what I. Keys. There's a different Chris Keys up in the up here in the Bay that uh, I met in a studio up here in, uh, in uh, Berkeley or was it Oakland? No, it was Oakland. Uh, we were there with Quayle Chris and uh, the Claim in Georgia. We were gonna do some work over there, and uh, he was talking about the time he spent with Ono, and we were talking about like, like oh, we got Bronto bites. And I was asking about beats. So, oh man, I got Bronto bites of beats. Bronto bites of beats. <laughs> so I was laughing. I'm like, ha, <laughs> Bronto bites. <laughs> I got Bronto bites of beats too. Like we just started laughing. And then, uh, and then, so yeah, I got I got mad beats just for days. You know what I mean? That's Where is the Your Dox video? I can't find it on YouTube. I, what, what happened to that video? I know that a lot of stuff during the transition of this of, of a deal that I was supposed to have be or be getting, um, a lot of my stuff got taken off the the net. You know, off the internet. Don't ask ah. me how you do it, because the source the sources got cleared out. You know what I mean? It was kind of, it was a trigger move. Like, okay, if we're going to move on this, you're going to need to take all your stuff you ever did down off, off iTunes, off, you know, the, off YouTube, off MySpace, off everything. I was like, yeah, let's do it. If it's a power move, let's do it. Foolishly. You know, in my, in my mid twenties, this is, this is do or die. And I pulled the trigger and all my stuff got taken down. Fuck. Man, dude, that's that's one of the classic joints that you dropped to. Um, yeah. And let me tell it's you this: still around somewhere. You just gotta, we just gotta dig it up. Yeah, we gotta find it. It's gotta be floating somewhere. I know there is, because there were some blog sites that was writing about that. Yeah, yeah. No, there's, there's. I mean, <laughs> a lot of my stuff got bootlegged, and a lot of my stuff got, you know, uh, got you know, downloaded just because everybody thinking I was fucking that the, the white dude, uh, riffraff or whatever. Um, a lot of that, a lot of my stuff got confused with that. So, like, a lot of people were downloading my stuff, confusing me with somebody else. So, it's all still floating around out there somewhere. One of my fondest memories, and, and I, it's not, I mean, it's not really a fun memory, but 
it was a fond memory because I always remember this about Dex. Um, uh, rest in peace, Jason Allen. Uh, yeah. I want to say rest in peace to Kent. Um, yeah. <clears throat> when Jason first died, I believe it was 2003, my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And y'all got to understand, I'm a fan of Epsilon Project. So like when Jason died, it was a huge loss for the community in South Oxnard. It was a shock for the community. And it was a shock for all of all of this loved and friends. And um, I remember Dax approached me and he said, "Hey, man, let's do something for Jason. Let's do a song." And um, we went to the ASR studio that night. It was a Friday, and this is why it was a big deal to me. That was the first time ever that I had an overnight session where we worked from nighttime till the next morning, like. Like yeah. we slept there, we recorded the verses. I think Dax made the beat right there. We made the verses. We waited for Busy to mix it right on the spot, and me and Dax waited for the whole process. And um, next thing I know, we get out the studio. There's sunlight, and um, that was I'll never forget that memory, man. Um, yeah. What do you remember about that night? It was Dax? a it was a hard night. You know what I mean? It was a it was a hard night, but it was an important night, and I wanted to make sure we had all the importance involved in it. And the coolest thing about biz and slimer and them is just that was the clubhouse for legends you know what i mean like like that you go in there and like there's like yo rock just rock and if it's dope i won't charge you type shit like that's the shit they were on you know what mm-hmm. i mean they wanted you they wanted the dope heads to stay active so when mm-hmm. they got us in there and they knew like, that we were in there we were in there for a purpose and mm-hmm. they were in there just right there along with us you know what i mean it's what they do all the time but they were in there right beside us guiding us through the whole thing you know, making sure everything sounded right. You know what I'm saying? Make sure we had all the stuff down. And I and that's that is still one of the more beautiful tracks that I've made. You know what I'm saying? Like that you can still listen to these days. And a lot of people won't understand what the song is about or who we're talking about. But like in the ox, Jason Allen was one of the first cats of our generation to make it out. Like he went to Soul Train. And he took me with him. I was a Soul Train dancer for two seasons. He took For real. You know what I'm saying he took us with him. Me and Pete, yeah, we took rest in peace, Pete too. You know? oh, rest in peace, Pete. Yeah. So rest like, you know what I mean? Like, Pete. like, like these are all members. These are all members of of the same crew. You know, DVS, Pete, our Peter Artieta, DVS. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jason Allen was the the un, unofficial member of DVS. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we went places. You know what I'm saying? And Jason, he went places. He went big places in the TLC video, yeah. and the last video he was in that, and um. He was a big contributor to the vibes of the underground streets in Oxnard. You know what I mean? And then just unfortunately, Vincent, he passed away. You know what I'm saying? And we had to, I had to do something. You know what I mean? And he was my friend. You know, he was the one that taught me how to pop. You know what I mean? He was the one that taught me how to, like, got the, you know, he's the one that helped out the hip-hop culture with a lot of the cats that were involved in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, direct links with Fernando Vargas. And, like, like a lot. there's so many roots from a lot of people that a lot of these cats won't even hear about unless you don't have interviews like this you know what i'm saying like a lot of stuff in the ox heads don't even know about and we got the stories you know what i'm saying if you really want to know about the ox you know we, got stories, for days we got, got stories we got stories we got stories for days that that it hasn't even been all, it hasn't even been all fully exposed there's so many things that went down and like um I'll never forget, I would, I would be, I, I'm, I'm in seventh grade 
I'm trending on the TV. I'm in seventh grade, dude. You see Jason Allen on um, on Soul Train uh, Saturday yeah. morning. You oh, turn on the TV, dude, Saturday morning. You see Jason Allen on Soul Train. Yep. And I'm like, <laughs> it made me so proud. He and, lives um, right over there. <laughs> way before, I want to say what's up to Nonstop, my cousin, everybody, everybody uh, that was uh, Nonstop. Um, for all those now, I know it's 2022, and, and right. the, dance, the dance culture is really big. It's been becoming international worldwide. But in 95, 1996, I ran that shit. It, it wasn't, it wasn't that big, but nonstop was the first one from the hood that was doing these shows out of town. Like at Laker, at the Laker game and, and like, like performing at real dance competitions. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Teenage kids, man. Teenagers, dude. Like just Work. doing that thing. And, uh, I want to say rest in peace to Kent. I would always see Dax with Kent. If I, if we DJ the party at a Wainui, Wainui side of town, I would see Kent with um with with uh, Dax, man. And, um, yeah, that was my rest dude. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace, all of them. They, they, they are. We bring them with us. You know what I'm saying? Like everything you hear, you hear these people. Like these people. You know what I mean? And like my heads don't know who I am, and that's how I like it. But you're gonna hear about these people, whether you know it or not. You know what I mean? Yes. If you hear my stuff, you're hearing everything. You know what I mean? Yes. A lot of stuff you're not hearing because I'm saving it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, trust uh, and believe. They're uh, Oxnard legends, you know? Just people that did big things. Come, People that, that was doing big things that was coming out of a very small, obscure city, you know? Like, nobody was really knowing Oxnard like that. Not, not like that. Not like it is now. But back right. in the mid-90s, we were still trying to get it popping, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, no, no, that's and that's the joy, that's the, the, the beauty of hip hop because yeah. we looked up to a lot of the cats that were really out there making moves and doing stuff yeah, on a national level. And that's what we had to go off of. We didn't really have to worry about <laughs> stuff out. We had the blueprints. Yeah, right in our face. Like right, right in our back. Yeah, like it was kids from our hood that was and you know, I'm gonna say this now because not a lot of people said it then, but I want to give shouts to Fernando Vargas because when that happened too, when he joined the Olympics, it was a big deal, man. Like it was, it was a, a very lit time in the mid '90s. Yeah, um, like, yeah, me and Oscar, we was in eighth grade in gym class together, and <laughs> he was, you know, what I'm saying like he was, he was a joker and he was cool. You know what I mean? Like, like he was, like a lot of stuff was going down, and we. A lot of heads have just crossed paths and gone to school with each other. And like, the cool thing about the Ox is it's such a weird place, but so many, we've gone so far to the other corners of the planet. <laughs> and, and it's like, yeah. everybody is connected. Yeah, in some way, somehow, we're all, we all know each other, really. Word, word. And um, what do you think it is? What is it about our city that produces this kind of talent? What, why, why us? Like, oh, I've been it? trying to, I've been trying to put my finger on that this whole time and what I think it is something goes on bro. is I that know. you have a lot of people who are it's it's just too close to LA <laughs> to not have anything to do with it but then yeah. when you realize it's too close to LA to be to not be LA you have to realize it's not LA so that's that own sound. identity yes we don't sound like LA we don't we sound, sound like LA at all sounds like us yeah, and then you got different. people that want to take the sound of ox and make it LA. So then you got the people who want to keep it pure ox. Then you got yeah. the people who are like, well, if it ain't LA, it ain't nothing. Then you got to prove that it's something by becoming something. 
and then you've got legends that are from the Ox, and then you've got a bar that is set that you can't get the attention that you want to get out of, out of the Ox unless you're at or above this level. And then yeah. you just got a bunch of people trying really hard to make good music. Yeah, man. And it shows no matter what the background story is, the quality of music in this yeah. town <laughs> is because of the blueprints left by the people who came before us. Yes, because no matter how big we think, it's like this, right? No matter how big we think we did it, someone did it before us. Absolutely. That, that made it possible for us to even do this, you know? Right, right. Word, you have a, a responsibility People, yeah. to deliver quality if you're going to have this ox. You know, I'm from the ox. I'm from Oxnard, you know? Like, you can hate the, you can hate the, the, the categories or you can understand and a lot more people understand what comes out of the ox than hate. Yeah. Um, I know you're, you got a busy schedule, man. A couple more questions I want to leave you with before I let you go, Dex. Um, so, let me see. Throughout the years, I've been seeing your posts on social media. Like, uh, Dex is one of those that, you know, he wears his heart in his sleeve. And that's good because me too. That's how we are, you know? And um, I, I've seen your transition from becoming an artist to a... Uh, to really becoming into a grown family man and I see the wedding pictures sometimes when when someone from Absalon Project gets married I love how I see you guys getting together for the pictures dressed up you know like yep. um, let's talk about your life now and um, being a father being a husband and being a nine-to-fiver providing if if Absalon Project was gonna do one more project together as a group, how do you think it can like, do you think your lives now, it can reflect that on the album? you think like, if, if we're fathers, we're going to rap about being fathers. <laughs> if we're married, uh, we're going to rap about that. Like, how do you think it'll translate with your lives now? Everybody's lives now. I don't think, as weird as we are, you would know a difference. I think <laughs> that would be a lot more, you'd hear a lot more texture to what we say. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Because we are we like I'm gonna tell you this one thing about my crew is our imagination is way too infinite to yeah. just stifle down to oh well I'm I'm grown I have to rap about meat and potatoes and I'm gonna rap and then just say no to drugs don't do we don't do nothing don't fire no bullets stop cussing like yeah. like you can't like we're not gonna adapt to a status quo of of, of quote unquote adulthood. Because yeah. adulthood, being grow, being adult and growing up are two different things. Mm. You can grow up as an artist mm -hmm. and, and and be an adult. You don't have to, you know what I mean? Your adulthood doesn't have to dictate the pace of your art. Mm -hmm. Like, well, again, Pro is a lawyer. He's mm -hmm. still rapping. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're still doing tracks. Like, imagine how busy that man is. He's got two kids. He's a married man. He's got a wife. Art is going to get out if you continue to love it. If Epsilon Project got together and did an album get, and it got all the promotion and outlets that we that that you that are you know have come to pass these days again times have changed and anybody can get up and just do something and it be something. If we decided that we were going to get up and, and do another project 
we have a whole lot of networks to get on. We have a whole lot of stuff in our heads to mm-hmm. put that that we could rock. It would be one of the best albums that we've ever done. One of the best pieces of art that a lot of people would ever hear. It would definitely be class a, a classic track or two on that album. And that because a lot of untold story. My bad. A, a lot of untold stories would yeah. be exposed by the who are these cats? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's like after the Stone School wave of artists that came from our hood. I always felt like Absalon Project was next. It, it, and they were, you guys were the second wave. Mm. And me, and me, Quota, um, we were like the generation behind that. You know, like maybe four years younger than that, yeah. you know? And we were just looking up to you guys, like the big homies that was doing it before us. And, and you guys were polished so early. It was like, mm. it, was, it was raw talent for sure but it was just polished right away like and yeah. the energy and the energy and the chemistry of the group together on stage is bananas right yeah, uh, yeah. so like yeah so that was because i think an, an absolute and i just want to put it out there in the universe maybe if we put it out there and start saying it out loud maybe it will happen like an absolute project album is needed man, it's, it's inevitable it's inevitable because it's we are all still active. We are all Not still, and, and it's needed, but it's, it never, it's never gone anywhere. We're still active. We're still mm-hmm. Epsilon Project. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we're, we haven't really, we were like, we were never here. You know what I'm saying? Like, so there's not really any means of, of not doing it anymore because we, we were, we've been doing this before we were doing this. We were Epsilon before we were Epsilon. We were rappers before we were rappers. You know what I'm saying? So, we could get together tomorrow and do a a, a, a track, and heads and and it will get some attention because now it's even easier, and we all still love this. We all still love to rap. I'm a father. I got two kids. Got nine to five. I'm building cars. I got my own projects. I'm doing hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm just joking. I'm throwing tens of thousands of dollars out the window on stuff I don't need. Yet you come in my office. And I got this big giant lab still active, still with every light working. I got my MPC right here. And even though I don't need it, and they got iPads now. They got every machine you want. You can download it on an iPad. I downloaded them and I'm messing with them because I'm not I'm not going anywhere. Epsilon's mm-hmm. not going anywhere. Pro's not going anywhere. Kings is not going anywhere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like we're if anything, we're 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 becoming more adult-like and more experienced mm-hmm. to be able to communicate and relate to a lot of the people who raised us from the whole Stone's Throw era. You know what I'm saying? we I've met Peanut Butter Wolf. I've met, like, uh, you know, Egon. I've met a lot all the people from Stone's Throw make, you know, doing Stone's Throw. And it's just like, Stone's Throw was a beautiful thing. Yeah, man. I mean, I, you know, I... But, that, yeah, and it's something that I don't think needs to be repeated. I think mm-hmm. because that's something that era was so sacred mm-hmm. and exactly. so pure, and it did so much for us. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's done what it's done its job. Yeah. You know what I mean. Like like that's that was an era that we need to hold dear. And we need to keep alive in spirit. Yes, yes. You know what I'm saying like, and we need to move on. And I don't say go. I hate trying to move backwards. We can't go backwards to a stone's throw era. We need to move hip-hop the skill level we need to move the skill level of hip-hop back up 
and we need to move it beyond the next what what it's at right now. Not go back to what it was. We need to move it beyond what it is now amen. to the next level of dope. Amen, amen, amen. I agree, man. Wow, I'm so inspired right now, dude. And I want to give a shout out to Anderson Pack. I think he's carrying. He's doing. He's doing a great job carrying the legacy. In the arm very well. Very yeah. well. No, <laughs> no scandals. No bullshit beef. Just yeah. pure, beautiful, dope music. Just music. Representing, frontlining the ox. Yup. And the fact that he was playing the drums right behind Eminem during Super Bowl, man, I was like, man, we're on, son. Like, that is it. We, we on, son. We are there. That is <laughs> it. On, Trey came to ox and christened the fucking town. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. He knows, he knows where we at. Exactly. He My knows. point. So last but not least, Dax, man, like um, one of the most, uh, I'm proud of you so much with everything you've done in music, but one of the most, uh, as a friend, like I've, I've seen you grow, mature, like in, into fatherhood, like, man, like how, how has fatherhood changed your life and changed your perspective on the songs you write? Well, just new responsibilities that you have now uh, as a man. Like, what? How does that affect you as a songwriter? As a songwriter, and I'll and I'll say this because a lot of the music I make comes from something. Comes from something that my kids haven't been a part of for the majority of their existence. So, when it comes to translating the message in your music to your experiences that generate the music, you can either merge them, you can keep them separate, or you can put them together. Me, I've always been somebody dropping codes. All of my music, none of it is direct, but it's all about something. The actual yeah. pattern of my albums, if you look at it, and of course a lot of the ones are underground, a lot of them are just segues from the previous album. From, from from the cool times too, the cuckoo. That's losing your mind. Then yeah. you've got the it's ugly. That's realizing that you've lost your mind. Then yeah. Bronto. Bronto is me within my own mind. Slow grip is me losing my mind. You know what I mean? Like Laboratory and Saga is where the madness began. You know what I'm saying? Like, like each of these albums is a, is a is a is a segue from the last. And it's kind of like that's how I designed it. I designed it to show not only a progression of skill level within me, but also to let you know exactly what the fuck it is I'm going through right now. Yeah, and you know what yeah. I mean? Like I have a very rage-filled message in my flow, but a lot of my pain can't be transmitted through words. So mm. when you listen to the beats mm. on my albums, the pain is in the beats. My rage mm. is in my verses. Mm. So like, if you, I mean, there's codes that I'm laying down in this. And whenever somebody's really genuinely, and when I feel like people are really genuinely ready to hear my message and hear about the layers, they're going to get the layers. So again, there's no, there's not enough time for me to, 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 lay everything out if i laid it out album with the layers that i've collected the, you know what i'm saying it'll be like a, a, a whole booklet of cd or you know a whole a whole drive full of mp3s 
of just music. You know what I mean? Because I got back lots of music. We all do. We've all collected so much music. And a, only and a quarter of that was stolen. So a quarter of my music is actually floating out there in, in crackhead world somewhere. That heads just that are either sitting there rolling to or whatever. That heads don't even know about. I can't even remember. So I mean, there's there's pronto bites, yo. And ladies and gents, don't get it twisted. I stay on Dax. Like, yo, Dax, you got some new beats. And he'll keep it real too. Like, Dax will keep it real. Like, if he says, if Dax will say, nah, not right now. But if he says, yes, I do, he'll send it. Like, yeah. Most uh, most of the time, if I'm saying right not right now, it's because I got baby puke all over me, and it's just the timing. Like, yo, man, I, I ain't got beats right now, man. You don't understand? Or like, literally, I got like a bullet hole in my fucking leg. I, not right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's something. It's something like that. There's not a whole lot that will prevent me from staying active. But if I if I'm like not right now, then it's something big. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And. And you know what? And when he does got beats, he'll send that shit. And like, I'm just like a, a teenage kid again. Like, yes, I got beats from Dex. Like, like um, I'm, I'm just excited to work with Dex all the time. And uh, he's got a chance to produce Critical Rhyme Assistance with me, Mike Bless, and Enzom. That was a good look for me, man. Thank you. Absolutely, um, yeah. Peace to Enzom as well. You know what I'm saying? And this rounds on me, the first single. Thank you for blessing me with that shit. Absolutely, absolutely. You know I, mean? I, I performed that song for a good year, two years, just just pushing that album. You know, I it was one of the best albums I ever made. And when I look back, you provided the sound, man. Thank you. Absolutely, anytime. Oh uh, man, Dex, it's been a so. Any advice for for the youth listening? Any advice for upcoming artists, producers? What are the top three things they can expect from this hit? The, what can they expect in this music industry if they want to get in this? Uh, you can't expect much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't expect much from the industry. From the, industry. the industry mm -hmm. doesn't care about you. Mm -hmm. The industry does not care about the artist. The industry cares about what the artist can do for them. Mm -hmm. And when they've gotten what they've wanted you, from you, they're going to kick you to the curb. That's what the universal message and anything I've learned from the industry, that has always been the message. It is not going to be what you think is going to be if you don't have your own plan if you don't love your craft enough to own it it's going to be taken from you look for exhibit a turn on your radio your craft is being taken from you right now and put mm -hmm. in the hands of somebody else my advice to you is own it own and, it and put it out on your platform if you build it they will come amen and I suggest, ladies and gents, like, before you even think about the music industry, just think about honing your craft. That's all you got to think about. Just keep honing your craft. And that's really should, that should be your main priority, you know? The industry will come to you, just like Zach said. They'll come to you. Keep honing your craft, man, you know? Yes. Oh man, Dex, it's been a classic time talking to you, bro. I love you, man. I appreciate you. And, and big up to Marlon D. Understand. This cat is going to be a hip-hop historian in a very short period of time. He is logging very historic events here with very historic artists that you're going to find one day whenever hip-hop gets his head out his ass and be like, I want something real. Who is this cat? <laughs> Man, I got to go look up. I got to look up this cat. Marlon D, he got all the files. And he'll just have all the information. So big up. He's keeping the ox on the map in a way that you're not even aware of yet. 
Yes, I appreciate you, Dax, because I'm not gonna let the stories die. We lived it, you know. Long live the DJs. Yes, long live the DJs. Yes, yes. Oh man, Dax, much blessings, bro. I'm gonna as soon as we get off this, I'm gonna I'm gonna text you right now. All right, I'm gonna text you, and then uh, thank you so much for doing this, man. Much love, Dax. Seriously, anytime. Epsilon awesome. Project. Yo, much love. MV Podcast, we did it. Peace, peace. Peace.